And we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, is Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. It's been another week. It's been another baseball-less week, unless you wake up in the middle of the night to watch Korean uh, baseball, which neither one of us have done. You sling your arrows this way if you must, but um, it's a little bit difficult, Tara, to, to get in, uh, for me, to get into a, a new league and to do so when I'm missing sleep. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I love baseball, but I really like sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big fan of being rested, and maybe that makes me less of a baseball fan, but it makes me a pretty normal human. So I'm okay with the trade off. Yeah, and I'm glad that some people are getting a chance to watch baseball. And it, it has, to, I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched anything. It's got to be a little bit weird, though. With no fans in the stands, except for, I guess, robots, is that Yeah, right? or um, ca- cardboard cutouts or something. <laughs> yeah, that's um, different, but um, I'm, I'm sure that's a little bit strange. I think we've talked a little bit about the idea of what's baseball going to look like if there are no fans in the stands and the, the lack of energy or the lack of, of buzz to the stadium, which I think has to be at least something on the minds of the players, right? I mean... Granted, they go to places like Miami and Pittsburgh, and there's limited buzz, but there's still that you know, ambiance in the in the stadium of people moving around or you know things of that nature. To to go out and just play in an empty ballpark all the time, wouldn't it wouldn't it be difficult for them to get completely amped up for this competition? It wouldn't quite feel right. Yeah, you know, I think you get the the gist of that when you hear about. Look, I know the Cardinals are not the only team with a great fan base who gets really into the game, but you hear players talk about coming to St. Louis and how the fans are always into it and how much they know the game and and how much you you do hear them at times when when big things happen and and how much that amplifies kind of the intensity or the emotion of the game. So, it's not nothing. And I mean, obviously they can play the game without fans, but it's definitely going to be a different dynamic and it's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit different as far as the pressure, right? Because if you're in a big spot, maybe not early in the season, unless you're the Houston Astros, but if you're (laughs) in a big spot in a big game and the crowd's on their feet and you're at the plate in a make or break moment, I have to imagine the pressure's a bit different when your make or break moment is happening in front of 40,000 fans live, as well as whoever's watching on television, than if it's in an empty stadium where no one but maybe some of your teammates who are really into it, although without Jose Martinez around, who knows who's (laughs) going to be really into it uh, as the games roll along. But it's definitely going to change the intensity. It'll change the emotion. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that changes the, the pressure or the nerves or the uh, even focus some guys focus better when when that's the surrounding and and they're just not going to have that sort of assistance from the fans in the stands yeah that's what i was really getting to think about too is that focus idea of you know sometimes it's easier to you know really gear up and and realize that you're in a game situation when the fans are going or when there's you know that that buzz or whatever and when you've got bases loaded in a empty ballpark are you going to be able to think of it as bases right. loaded or is it more of a oh this is my drill where i'm supposed to you know i don't know well we'll find out i think that if they do play this year in those situations and there are lots of indications that they may um then at the end of the year 
when they talk to some players, when we hear players talking and things of that nature, it may be very interesting to see, you know, if players are open and honest about this of, Hey, that was, <laughs> that was weird. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know that I want to do that again. <laughs> um, there were some, there was some news though, of course, off the field because there was no news on the field. Um, and the biggest part and one that I know is near and dear to, to Tara's heart to some degree, because it leads into the minor leagues is the fact that at least for 2020, and I do I think we should caution that because I don't know that it's been as that part, that detail's been out there as much, but at least for 2020, the major league draft is going to cut to five rounds. I don't know if it's a completely official, but it sounds like it is if it's not. Um, five rounds only, and then anybody after that's not drafted can sign for a maximum of twenty thousand dollars. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I don't know that there's any other way to put this. It's it's very it's kind of strange, especially in this day and age, when something comes out that is universally condemned. Yeah. Um, and this is pretty much you. I mean, I have not seen anybody try to defend this really. And what's wild is that. Scouts can't defend it. Front offices can't defend it. Players can't defend it. Whether they're major leaguers or minor leaguers, fans can't defend it. And no one's trying to, right? There's no way that unless you are the owner of a major league baseball team, this is a good thing. It's not good for the game of baseball. It's not good for organizations as far as their development is concerned. And quite honestly, there's a very real possibility that the way this all unfolds, it might actually cost them more money in the long run yeah. than it will less money. So it's there's no circumstance other than if you just put blinders on and look at the fact that this is a season where teams aren't generating the same revenue that they would normally, and they haven't had a chance to see a lot of these players this spring. Those are the only two things that even begin to make sense in my mind that would allow these teams to say, ah, five rounds is fine. And I guess, you know, there are a lot of layers underneath that, right? Because that probably means minor league seasons below a certain level are not going to happen at all this season. Not because they need those rounds to fill those teams, but because that's where those players would typically go, right? Mm -hmm. If they're not going to have those teams playing, then they don't want to have as many players to try to find a place for after the draft takes place. But, you know, when you start to pull this apart, much like the entire minor league issue right now, the owners are coming at this from such a short-sighted perspective, mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like it would take a rocket scientist for one of them to say, guys, is this really going to be good beyond this year? And is that trade-off worth saving a couple of bucks in 2020? Is no one saying that in that room? I, I mean, obviously not. Um, I, I mean, the front office people are telling them that because we've saw reports that, you know, most of the front office people wanted a longer draft or at least longer than, you know, right you know, 20, 25, 30 rounds, something like that, even if it's not the 40 that you normally have. But I mean, yeah, I mean, think of me about this and it's like, okay, you could save a hundred thousand dollars on a ball player this year. But when these, you know, when you need to replace a person on your team, you're going to have to go out and get a free agent. That's going to yeah. cost you, you know, $10 million because you don't have it. A, a guy that can come in and play for the league minimum. Um, you know, it, it, it never, this whole thing does not make a lot of sense because, you know, we have seen over the last, what, 
10, 15 years, maybe the emphasis that teams put on prospects on bringing in their own players in of not spending money on the free agent market because they don't want to, you know, be burned on a contract for somebody that's over 30 or anything like that. And then to go limit your options when you're going to try to stay internal. I mean, just to save, and again, you're right. There is no money coming in and there's a lot of money going out. They're paying, you know, they paid some of the players already. They are still playing the minor leaguers, at least at some, some level, you know, you've got teams like the Cardinals who are making payments on the, on the stadium and probably making payments on ballpark village and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's money going out and I get that. And I'm not surprised that we're going to see some sort of modifications, but you're talking about saving like less than um, a regular salary. I mean, you're not talking about saving a hundred million dollars in the draft. You're talking about saving like one or 2 million. I mean, it's, it seems so ridiculous to make such a, a big change and, and antagonize so many people to save what is basically pocket lint for some yeah. of these guys. Yeah. And, and you're talking about, I mean, it, I saw someone sharing some numbers, you know, a thousand players mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who aren't going to get drafted, who were pretty much like sure thing draft picks right. at this point. And now all of a sudden, you know, yes, they can be signed as free agents. And I understand that, but that's a, a very different process of it's a very different scenario and and there's certainly no guarantee that they those guys get a contract this season maybe they look at them again next year maybe they mm-hmm. you know are guys that will decide to go back to school and and use their extra year of, of ncaa eligibility or whatever it is and and get drafted again next year but all of a sudden you know you have all these guys who thought they were going to be playing as pros the this summer and and now they're not and not only that but uh i had sort of started to do this when major league baseball was sort of tossing around the idea of cutting down the draft to 20 rounds and i went in and and was looking at how many players on major league 40 man rosters were drafted after the 20th round and it's a lot don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but um my buddy chris from the turn a pair baseball podcast did a, a whole thread of every team in Major League Baseball the other day and the players who were on their roster as major leaguers in uh, 2019. I went through and looked at how many of them were drafted in or after, uh, I guess, after the the fifth round. And the Cardinals were one of the teams that had the most. There are nine players that were selected after the fifth round. Um and they were on average drafted in the 14th round. That would be Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Carpenter, Dexter Fowler, Tommy Edmond, Miles Michaelis, John Brebbia, Tyler Webb, John Gant, and Dominic Leone. Now, not all of those are all-stars, but those aren't nobodies, right? Mm-hmm. Those are legitimate everyday major league guys. And I'm not saying that every guy that's drafted after this the fifth round is going to be that successful, but that's the sort of caliber player that teams are missing out on just because they want to save, you know, like you said, a couple bucks in terms of what they generate on an annual basis, even in a year where they're not going to generate that same level of income. Plus you have to think that this is going to be problematic for developing depth in their farm systems, right? You're just, you're sapping so much of that depth, whether it's 
all-star major league caliber talent or the guys who are going to push the all-star major league caliber talent to get to that level. All of a sudden, the all we hear about, you know, that that com- competition within uh, organizations and and the development that happens there, you're eliminating a lot of those options. You're also eliminating players that you know maybe wouldn't have been drafted till the 13th or 14th or 18th round who become perennial all-star candidates because they take a little longer to develop. And we see that over and over again in this game. It's just, you know, I... <laughs> I get a little long-winded uh, about a lot of things, but particularly when it comes to this, because those the experiences of those minor leaguers is tough enough in and of itself. And then when you sort of strip this part of what they have going for them in that they have the potential to be drafted by a team and, and guaranteed a chance to become a, a successful pro ball player, I mean, it just, you know, how much more can you take away from these guys who have given all that they have to this game to put themselves in a position to, you know, live that, live that dream and and do it, whether they're making a ton of money or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wrote a little bit about it this morning and uh, I looked it up and last year, six round player makes 237,000 at the minimum. If that's the last person in the sixth round, 301,000, if they were the first person. So that that's the range for a six player, six round guy. And you think about a college senior who's coming out and he's like, you know, Hey, I'm not one of the top hundred people coming out of this draft, but I'm going to, you know, sixth, seventh round somewhere in there. And, you know, that's still going to get me a couple hundred thousand dollars and I'll get me started and, you know, help me absorb these minuscule minor league salaries that we're going to have. And then all of a sudden it's like, "Mm, no, you're looking at $20,000 to sign. And you got to think that some of those guys are going to look and say, you know, assuming that they knew that they weren't going to be this kind of guy and they've got some sort of, you know, backup plan, a college degree or whatever the thing, they're going to just say, no, thanks. You know, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to make $50,000 to start my career and continue to, you know, don't have to compete against, you know, people and don't have to spend, you know, five years getting to the top or whatever the case may be. Um, and you know, you've missed out on a guy like a, you know, like a Goldschmidt, like a guy that, like we said, so many players that have come and been all-stars or MVPs or even hall of famers. I mean, heck, you don't want to go back this far, but you know, Mike Piazza was drafted in the 62nd round. He turned out. Okay. <laughs> um, not saying that you need to go to 60 something rounds again, but these things, you know, five rounds is just silly. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like, why are you even bothering having a draft to some degree? Yeah. Uh, I, it, what's a little bit disappointing about this, well, there's a lot of things that are disappointing about <laughs> this, but part of what's got to be disappointing about this is we know how much pool Bill DeWitt has in baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob Menfred basically has his job because Bill DeWitt said he should have the job. I mean, they're, they're, that much. He, Which makes he, us question a lot of things, but nonetheless. Yes, there's a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. Um, we need to have a little discussion about that. Uh-huh. But, you know, he, he, I think we've often felt like ownership of the Cardinals is a fairly solid ownership. I mean, they have their flaws and they have their faults, but they seem to have understood. They've understood prospects. They've understood this and that. So to apparently have him 
doing this kind of decision-making? Because I just got to feel like if he pushed to say, no, we're going to do 10 rounds or no, we're going to you know continue to let people sign at a hundred thousand dollars. Cause even if they had, even if they hadn't changed that five round draft, but all undrafted players could be a hundred thousand. That's still less than last year, but it's something. Um, I got to feel like if he had pushed for something like that, this would be different. And it's disappointing to see that he obviously is a campaigning on that. We've talked about this on the minor league level before, where it feels like, it just takes one team to sort of break the status quo, but no one really wants to be that team. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that with the Giants. We've seen it a little bit with teams that have been willing to up the um, the salaries for minor league players or adjust their living arrangements, that sort of thing. And I- I'm a little surprised it hasn't taken off a bit more, but that sort of broke the dam a little bit on, on the minor league front, which... <laughs> In part, if you want to sort of travel along the conspiracy train, it may have some lingering effects in what we're seeing with the the constructs of minor league baseball right now with teams mm-hmm. realizing, okay, we're going to have to to make this change now. The, the status quo is changing. How do we combat that? How do we compensate for that? Rather than just, you know, doing the right thing and making a little less money at the very top of the pyramid. But I digress. The point is, yes, you would like to see a team who has spent so much time really not just focusing on building from within, but kind of championing that strategy and using it as a reason to not go sign the big free agents or to not make, you know, so the sort of blockbuster major league for major leaguer trade. Um, it's, you would like to think that that would be a team that has maybe the the proper perspective on the value of those minor league systems and how quickly you can deplete them. I mean, the Cardinals have often talked about the fact that they have to draft well because they don't always have, you know, the first pick in the first, they don't ever really have the first pick in the first round, right? So they have to be smart about that strategy. You would think that would be an organization that then would see, this proposal and say, whoa, 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 hold on. We actually have great success in the 13th round. We don't want to eliminate it. And instead, it doesn't seem like there's any priority greater than saving a few bucks at this point, which is, is certainly disappointing when you look at the health and the strength of the game overall, right? There's so much of a, I feel like, and I know that, <laughs> I will I will complete a sentence here in a minute, I promise. Uh, started four of them. I will complete one. But I know that um, I sort of get off on this tangent when we're talking about this. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people probably just roll their eyes and stop listening to me when I, I say the same thing over and over again. But I, I genuinely feel like the cavern between the game of baseball and the business of baseball is getting bigger and bigger all the time. And the reason that I get so worked up about it is that I love baseball, not necessarily the billion-dollar business that it is. And if you focus more on the business than you do on the game, you're going to lose what's so special about the game. And that's not, you know, that's not me being, you know, some crazy old school <laughs> yell at clouds grumpy person it's just the the reality right you you determine your priorities 
And then you pour more into what you decide is the higher priority. And the problem is the people who have all the leverage right now have decided that the business end of it is more important than the game end of it. And that's why they keep making such short-sighted decisions for the game of baseball in order to protect the business. Yeah, and nobody that's why goes, I get so frustrated. <laughs> right, nobody comes along and roots for the bottom line. I mean, right. except for the owners. I mean, we don't. I mean, I don't want to say that owners should never make any money. Oh, that's that's crazy. I mean, this is an investment they need to, and obviously, with the values of the of the franchises, they're going to make some money too. But we don't we don't care about you know, profit and loss statements. We don't care about, you know, if they hit their, you know, um, budgeted numbers for the first quarter or anything like that. You know, fans care about, you know, the trades, the signings, the team that they put on the field, the winning. And you're right. I mean, there's, in the past, there was a lot more of, and maybe that's because you had a lot more, you know, sportsman owners, guys that really were competitive, weren't necessarily the smartest people on the block either. Now that's mm -hmm. didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily make good moves, but they did seem to want to win. And give me, now again, don't get me wrong. I know that the Cardinals ownership, they want to win. Um, they've done a good job of putting stuff back into this team. And we're in the midst of the longest continual run of good teams that, that St. Louis has probably ever had. But, you know, a lot of this, you know, history and this whole thing is based on a guy that was drafted in the 13th round. Uh, you know, without Albert Pujols, you don't have two World Series championships and you don't have probably a lot of what we've celebrated over the last 20 years. So to, you know, and again, he's not the only one. We know Carpenter's come from there. We've had others that in that regard. Right. But just to, to know that that's that person who has, you know, basically reshaped your franchise comes from those parts of the draft you know to then say okay we don't need people from that level it's just just remarkably foolish now again i do want to say that there's a good chance this is just for one year that we'll see 20 rounds or something of that nature next year but i mean one it's still bad enough to have it for one year and two once you make these cuts once you make these changes it becomes very easy to make that the permanent thing that, oh, well, if you don't get drafted, you're only going to get $20,000, even yeah. though it used to be $100,000, um, even in the good times. Um, and that's that's concerning. Yeah. I mean, if you cut something out of your budget just as a normal human person <laughs> and then you go a year and realize, oh, I actually didn't really need that, you know, upgraded mm -hmm. subscription to Hulu or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, then you're probably less likely to add it back on than you were to add it in the first place. That's sort of what we're dealing with here. And that's, you know, I understand that's why there are justifiable concerns about some of the realignment, about the fact that the, <laughs> the DH is apparently now in play and all of these mm. things, right? Once you start making changes, it's a lot easier to leave them alone than it is to change them back. Um, now, there are some of these things that it, like, they're not going to they're not going to leave these things alone forever because it's they're trying to make something possible that shouldn't be possible right now. But um, this is is one of those situations that, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot easier, especially when we have seen so clearly the priorities of the guys at the top that this is going to be something they think, well, we can get away with it and we can 
um, you know, still come up with competitive major league talent, you just never know if you're going to be missing out on generational talent. And for the, the folks that have responded to me with, well, they can sign them as free agents. Yes, they can. But I would just echo what you said earlier. They're going to be guys who walk away instead of mm-hmm. signing for $20,000 as opposed to $100,000 or whatever, because they they didn't, you know, maybe they're not in a position where they can play broke for five years. I had the chance to talk to former uh, Cardinal Xavier Scruggs the other day on the Chirps podcast, and he was saying, you know, it took him seven years to get to the big leagues. And there are guys who who either won't wait that long or who can't wait that long Mm -hmm. just financially in order to, you know, survive by getting along with the, the peanuts basically that they get paid and trying to support a family or trying to, you know, live any sort of reasonable life. And, and if their odds are so decreased by getting left out of the, the five rounds of the draft that they're an undrafted free agent that signs for a fraction of what they normally would. They're going to be guys who would be, could be superstars that are going to walk away from the game. And if that becomes more the norm, whether it's 10 rounds or even 20 rounds, you're going to have guys who walk away and choose to do something else. And that is why it's not good for the game of baseball. (laughs) It's only good for the billionaires at the top of the ladder. Yeah. And it, and it does feel like they, you know, to some degree, these guys don't understand the difference between a hundred thousand and, and 20,000. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars is a good year salary, at least in most parts of the country, obviously depending on where you're at, but still hundred thousand dollars is one of those things that if you make a hundred thousand dollars in a year, Hey, that's a pretty good year. You know, $20,000 is, I don't know if it's minimum wage. I mean, you know what no. I'm saying? I mean, and so I know that's the signing bonus and not what they're actually going to make, but if you can put away a hundred thousand dollars <throat> and that'll let you continue to train and try to be to be at your best while you're getting paid $3 and 75 cents per game um, while you're playing in the minor leagues. Um, that's something with $20,000. I mean, you know, that's not, that's not enough money to make you, you know, want to go through that, I guess, to some degree. And yeah, especially uh, when even if that's your signing bonus and you're making us air quotes salary on top of that, we all know that we're still not talking about much money. We're talking about, you know, seven to $14,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So even if you add that on to a $20,000 bonus, it's still barely minimum wage. And that's one year, right? That's, that's a signing bonus. That's not an annual income. That's, one thing and then they have to try to figure it out after that so yeah it's just and i think you said something that was fascinating maybe not in the way that you intended it but (laughs) that they don't know the difference between twenty thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars because it's peanuts to them they don't know the difference because they probably can't remember the last time they had to care about the difference between $20,000 and $100,000, except for when they can take it away from a minor league player. That's the only time it's relevant in most of their conversations. That might be a little bit hyperbole. It might be exaggerating a little bit, but the point remains that's not money that they're typically concerned with when they are dealing with much larger figures on, on average every single day. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the rest of development bit of, you know, it's a banana. How much could it cost? $10? Right. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, um, 
And I know we've gone about our time, but we do want to transition because I think it makes a lot of the same points. We talk about we're going from the minor leaguers to the major leaguers. And, and while there have been some thoughts, plans, tentative ideas of when the season would start, feels like the buzz is a lot around the July 1st um, talking point right now, if the virus allows for that. Um, there is going to have to be the, the union and the player and the owners are going to have to sit down and, and hammer out agreement. And, and some of these things are, you know, playing time and, you know, how are we going to do this, blah, blah, blah. But some of it's going to be about money. And I don't, I don't know exactly how I'm feeling here. I, maybe we can talk this out a little bit. Um, but, you know, the owners are going to say, hey, we're, we didn't really plan on no fans at all this year. We want you to take a cut in salary and the players are going to say no. Um, and I mean, part of me is really kind of half afraid that baseball is just stupid enough to make, uh, you know, like, Oh, well we could come back, but we can't come up to agreement. So we aren't. Yeah. And they're going to set it up so that the players are the bad guys. Sure. Um, because that's the way that the owners maintain their leverage. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it is a weird situation and there's a lot involved that it's easy for maybe the owners to come to a unanimous decision about what their plan would be when they're not the ones that are going to be out there playing. They're not mm-hmm. the ones that are going to be perhaps in a situation that maybe isn't a hundred percent safe. No one can really guarantee that at this point, the, you know, the owners are going to be safe at home sitting in their executive offices, not having to worry about what's going on in the outside world, but they're also not going to be the ones on the field after an extended layoff. They're not going to be the pitchers who are trying to get ready in, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever it is going to be to pitch at the highest level and to do so competitively. They're not going to be hitters whose job next year depends on this season, whether they're in a a contract year or not. What they do in any part of a 2020 season has a direct impact on their career moving forward. So it, it it's nuanced in a lot of ways. Um, and it, it's a lot easier for the owners. It's a lot easier for us as, as fans and critics and analysts to sit in our homes, look out our windows, hope to watch baseball on TV someday and come up with a plan that we think seems reasonable than it is to be one of the guys who's actually going to be living out this plan in some form or another. And a, a large part of that has to do with you know, how they're going to get paid for this year. And it's easy to... It's easy to be critical. It's easy to be cynical when you're talking about guys who make way more money than I can even imagine making right now, Mm -hmm. um, complaining about not getting their full salary when they aren't playing a full season. But these guys build their contracts and agree to things based on, you know, the the idea that they're going to be playing a full season. It's like anyone else right now who wants their company to continue to pay them because it's not their fault that they're not working. It's this this same back and forth. It's the same dynamic, just on a much larger, much more magnified scale. Um, and and yeah, there is the possibility that there could be such a divide that the game doesn't come back this year because they can't come to an agreement on it. And really, I think that would be a precursor to a much longer, much more dramatic scenario with the CBA coming up, which 
I can't imagine is a good play on the part of the owners to sort of force the hand of the players union to stand their ground and then not ever get to the middle to meet there ahead of the the negotiations that will have to happen for the CBA. So it could get very messy very quickly. And that's really a shame because I think the bottom line is everyone wants baseball to come back. They just want to do it, you know, in a way that is, is as mutually beneficial as possible. Yeah. You know, and again, if, if the players were going to get paid for a full season this year, then I think you've got a point. I mean, yeah. obviously if they're not going to pay half a season, they should get half their money. And that's, that's what the players are saying. That's, I think they've agreed to that, that they're not going to, they're not going to hold out for the fact that it's a contract. And right. if you're supposed to get 10 million, but you know, like I said, the owners coming along and saying, well, we're not going to have this, the revenue stream. That makes sense, except for the fact that, you know, the easy counterpoint is when you do have the revenue stream, when you make an extra billion dollars on selling BAMTEC or whatever, salaries don't go up, you know? I mean, not automatically. I mean, free agents might get a book. Player salaries being tied to revenue is not a thing that tends to happen. No. Like I say, free agents might get a little bit more money when the game is flush, but overall, no. And, And again, we've seen in the last couple of years, not necessarily this past one. Um, even when the game has got good money, um, they don't necessarily get it to the, the free agents and they definitely don't get it to the guys, you know, that are making one to, in the first three years of their career. Um, so, you know, it, it's difficult to say, okay, you have to share the sacrifice when you don't get to share in the bounty. So um, I don't know. I mean, again, we've talked about the owners are in a, in a tough spot to some degree too, because they are shelling out a ton of money. Right. But I mean, they've got the money to shell out to some degree. And you know, I think it's a good thing for a baseball team is they, you know, they're going to make that money back as soon as games are back on. And then banks know that and, and temporary loans may have to be taken out and things like that. It may not be perfect, but you're also sitting on an asset if you're the DeWitts that has gone from you spent like a hundred thousand dollars on it and it's worth 2 billion, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they're doing things, all right. Yeah. I mean, granted you don't want to sell it. I mean, that value is only good till you sell, but right. there's still an, an ability to, to overcome that if you have to. And I know there, there's a lot of different variables in here and, and we as, as fans oftentimes look at it, well, just pay the guys, you know how, you know how, but it feels like right now that that's one of those things. I mean, definitely, definitely do not want to see the season held up. And you're right. They were probably, they've already kind of been some indications. They're going to try to say, well, we wanted to come back, but the players wouldn't meet us halfway or whatever. That's, I don't, I don't know how well that works anymore, by the way, because I think, I think the fan base is a little bit more educated. (laughs) Some of them are at least some, no. I don't know. Based on some of the the Twitter responses I've seen today, there are still a lot of players who are still a lot of people who are saying, "Oh, they should play if they want to get paid." Yeah, okay, yeah there is going right. to be that. Sure. All right. So, um, but I just, I don't know. I, 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 as as stupid as baseball can be, there's no way in my mind that they would risk having no season at all over something like this um, on both sides. I mean, owners would save some money because they would have to pay the players the rest of the year, but you know, they have absolutely no chance of having any money coming in. Um, and players, you know, 
they're about to run it out to the end of that advance that the owners gave them. Yeah. So there's, there's a motivation for them to get back on the field as well. So I think both sides want to get there and I think they will, but the idea that they're willing to shoot both their feet off um, with this situation where, which is kind of tailor made for them, right? We've talked about this sometimes. If you can be the one sport that comes back and basically just have everybody watching you because you're the only thing aim in town, that's huge. Yeah. But I'm not, and, and one, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure health-wise we're going to be able to get to that. But even if that's the case, to mess that up is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it's also <laughs> not the first thing we've seen uh, Major no. League Baseball completely bungle when it seemed like it was, um, you know, a pretty a pretty easy win. And uh, they're, they've gotten pretty good at that in the past. And this, you know, what's frustrating, I, I think, is that what people who maybe are on the fence or are more casual about their baseball fandom are seeing right now is the ugly side of baseball. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they we go through all of that and the minor league baseball season is eliminated and 25% of minor league teams go away next year and, you know, there's a holdout because the owners won't honor what their previous agreement was with the players or the players won't give in to their new demands or whatever it is. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. just showcasing you know, everyone wants to talk about the problems with baseball. That's the problems with baseball right there. Those are the things that are, you know, really holding the game hostage to, you know, kind of the, the like I said, the, the business side of it. And I understand that there has to be a business angle. There has to be a basis where someone can manage, you know, $10 billion and not screw it up all the time, right? There has to be right. um, an ability to do the business side of it. But you lose a little bit of you. You lose a lot, I, I think, of the the sort of the soul of what the game is and how people relate to it and why it can be a ten billion dollar industry when um, you know you you sort of reveal the you pull back the curtain a little bit and see um, you know how much of this nonsense goes on that that isn't about actually making the game better. It's about protecting. The, the wealthiest among us and, you know, doing so at the cost of, of the, the best version of baseball. It took a long time to, to come back from, from 94. Um, yeah. It would be, it would probably take even longer in, in the world that we're in now with all the different options and all the different, you know, and the, and the idea that baseball is having trouble nationally anyway. Um, to to then come out here and mess this up at a time when people really, really want something to return. You know, I don't know how you recover from that. And so it becomes a $10 billion industry may come to a $1 billion industry or something less. I mean, there could be some significant contraction in, in revenues because of this. And, you know, again, that's where you just start, you know, pointing the finger at yourself too, because, yeah. you know, you're not done, not done well for the game of baseball, as, as you like to say. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to build a wit and it his uh, friends and the ownership <laughs> are going to love this show. So we're, um, we're definitely on their list now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Bill, if you're listening, if you want to come on next week and, and talk about it, we'll, we'll let you. I mean, so just just hit us up. We'll I let will you promise on. to give you at least three and a half minutes before I interrupt you. <laughs> at least so there you go you're not gonna get a better offer than that so 
All right. But until next week, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.